In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Her question startled me. Is this some kind of a test from God? She had just finished asking our Bible study group, a small gathering of about a dozen people, this uncomfortable question. Is this some sort of a test from God? My friend felt overwhelmed by circumstances beyond her control. She had just unexpectedly lost her job. And she was worried about other things. She was worried about many things, among them paying her rent, keeping gas in her tank, and meeting her credit card obligations. With this core group of friends, she felt comfortable raising this troubling question. Is this a test from God? What I heard in this question was, would God do this to her on purpose? Was unemployment God's way of testing her faith? Most of us probably find this notion of God testing us to be foreign, bizarre, and deeply uncomfortable. And for good reason. At first glance, it might seem cruel for God to test us. Doesn't God already know what we will do in a given situation? So why bother testing us? In general, testing doesn't seem particularly useful to, be, to explore love or trust. God's testing could be misconstrued so that testing serves as a litmus test to our loyalty to God. How often do others test our loyalty? God's tests are not about proving devotion or loyalty. God seeks to seek, God tests to seek to reveal, God's tests seek to reveal something else altogether. A wide open mind. In today's gospel reading, the writer of John's gospel explicitly states that Jesus tests Philip. Philip, one of 12 disciples, and Jesus tests him. Picture the scene. A crowd of thousands of people are descending upon Jesus and his 12 disciples. They've seen miracles, they've seen healings, and they are hungry for more. Jesus, upon seeing the crowd, singles out Philip and asks him, where are we going to buy food for all these people? What is interesting here is Jesus is not concerned about getting the money to buy the food. No, instead, the assumption here is that Judas the treasurer already has the funds available. The question Jesus asks is, where can Philip go to buy the bread? Logically, this is a completely reasonable question to ask Philip. Philip is, from the, Philip is from this area of Galilee, so he should know which baker is going to have a large enough quantity of bread to feed this massive crowd. Notice that Jesus only asked Philip this bread-locating question. None of the other 11 apostles are asked. 
None of them are tested. Lucky them. Philip responds to Jesus' question with a rather logical and completely understandable response. Even half a year's worth of income would not be enough bread so that everybody gathered could get at least a little bit. With Philip's reasonable response, I cannot help but wonder, what is the testing component of Jesus' question? Philip answers logically. Feeding all these people is going to be a huge expense. Yet scripture directly tells us that the question Jesus poses is a test. It may seem highly unfair that Philip is supposed to somehow engage his detective skills to puzzle out that Jesus intends to perform a miracle to feed all of these people. What is Jesus' question really about? I wonder, is Jesus challenging Philip to think bigger? To think more broadly about what God might do in a challenging circumstance? What if, like most of us, like my friend, what if we completely misunderstand what it means to be tested by God? What if my friend, all of those years ago, in that challenging and soul-crushing circumstance of unemployment, what if that horrific anxiety was not created, was not a part of God's test? What if the circumstances were never the test? Jesus didn't test Philip through loss or pain, but rather Jesus tested Philip by challenging his ability to imagine a new way of solving a very practical problem, hunger. What if Jesus' way of testing is to help us imagine new solutions to practical problems? What if Jesus' tests are not punitive in nature, but rather God's tests are a way to simply challenge us to be more creative, to utilize our imagination so that we can find new ways of helping humanity. On a global scale, God is giving us new opportunities to transform our world for the better. Big, expansive thinking is re-envisioning the way we generate electricity, the types of cars that we drive. Not so long ago, bold thinking built the transatlantic railroad and the California aqueduct. Now, on a personal level, we might not be building aqueducts or railroads or the latest version of the Concorde, but that doesn't mean that we can't use our creativity that God has given us to work on solving the real troubles in our communities. So maybe this is a test. Maybe our test is to dream. Our test that God has given us is to think creatively and boldly. What if God's test were an opportunity for us to find liberation and freedom from restrictive thinking and we've been there, we've done it this way forever, that kind of mindset? When Jesus faced over 5,000 hungry people, he responds with an expansive and creative solution. Instead of buying bread from the 
bakers in town. He blows Philip's mind wide open as a miraculous feeding commences. Have you ever had your mind blown wide open by the goodness, love, and care of God? I have. I've experienced God's love and goodness and kindness right here at St. Cross because of all of you. And without a doubt, I am going to miss you. As I move to Huntington Beach or in close proximity and begin my rectorship at St. Wilfred's, I am going to miss you. You've been an integral part of my life these past three years, and I'm so glad to have been here with you. I feel like we've built solid relationships, and you've been such a blessing to me. And you really helped me build that wide-open perspective. So thank you for sharing who you are and God's work in your life. And may God continue that good and mighty work now and always. Amen. Oh, <laughs>